Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.11 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 27th of January, 2021. This is episode 354 of Bitcoin and how about that GameStop? That's one of the most interesting stories that I've ever seen, and we'll get into some of it here in a minute. But first, we got to start with Patrick McHenry. Oh, boy. Uh, He tweeted out yesterday, January the 26th, sometime in the afternoon, said policymakers should be on the side of innovation and ingenuity, which are vital to American competitiveness. I hope others in the United States government join me. Hashtag Bitcoin. All right, so I'm not all that, ex- I mean, come on, these guys have talked about it before, but the real thing is, is like right before he put this tweet out, he has mchenry.house.gov forward slash Bitcoin PDF. He's hosting the white paper on a government site, a United States government site, okay? It's not, it's not like whitehouse.gov forward slash, you know, Bitcoin.pdf, but it is a a full-blown United States-sponsored government uh, website. That is his page, mchenry.house.gov. If you want to go visit Patrick McHenry, who is kind of in our corner, he's one of the only ones, but he seems to be very much well-placed in our corner. And he is hosting the white paper basically like everybody else is. So one of us, bitch, one of us. And... Outside of the U.S., as I reported a couple of days ago, uh, lots of people are hosting the white paper. We keep, you know, we keep wanting to get to a government website, which is why the whole Patrick McHenry uh, action is pretty cool. But uh, Estonia is hosting the white paper on their government website. That's right. Jeff Benson, writing for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday, says... Estonia today published the Bitcoin white paper on a government website in defiance of Bitcoin's self-proclaimed idiot, Craig Wright. The white paper is now hosted on Estonia's e-residency website. E-residency is akin to a government visa for digital entrepreneurs to start and manage an EU-based company online. Quote, we are happy to preserve the original Bitcoin white paper here on our website as a source of inspiration for future innovators looking to understand how to use blockchain technology in support of facilitating cross-border business and other applications, the site now reads. The addition comes amid a push by Bitcoin advocates to paper the internet with the seminal work on cryptocurrency authored by pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto in 2008. Wright, as you will recall, has been publicly claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto since 2016. Actually, I'm pretty sure that was 2015 is when he started this whole thing with the, uh, uh, with the, it was an interview in Gentleman's Quarterly magazine that started the whole business, honestly. He then immigrated from Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash before spearheading BCH's subsequent 2018 split into Bitcoin Cash uh, and his preferred Bitcoin SV. He has since filed copyright claims to the Bitcoin white paper and defamation suits against those who have called him a fraud. Craig Wright, you are a fraud. Last week, lawyers with the law firm Antier LLP claiming to represent Wright sent a notice of copyright infringement to Bitcoin.org, BitcoinCore.org, both of which had links to the white paper. BitcoinCore.org complied, but Bitcoin.org did not. (coughs) Noting that the white paper was published under the MIT license, which permits reuse in most circumstances and either a repudiation of rights copyright claims or a bid to keep the white Bitcoin white paper visible, a wave of cryptocurrency and blockchain related websites posted the treatise on their websites, among them advocacy organization Coin Center and payments company Square. 
Estonia got into the act today in response to calls from former Coinbase CTO Balaji Srinvinsen, I can't pronounce his name, for a government domain to host the white paper. Not long after, Jehudi Castro, an advisor to the Colombian president, posted a link via a Colombian government website that redirects to the Bitcoin white paper. However, Estonia and Colombia aren't the first countries to host the Bitcoin white paper. That would be the United States. The paper appears on the United States Sentencing Commission's website. The USSC is an independent agency within the judiciary that analyzes prison sentences. So not quite as positive as Estonia, but it doesn't hurt. Oh man, that sounds like the United States government is kind of trolling us. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> okay, let's get into a little bit of philosophy pieces here. This is by Casey for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, was uh, posted yesterday. Uh, Stocks don't truly discover price. Bitcoin fixes this. Quote, the stock market is filled with individuals who know the price of everything but the value of nothing, says Philip Fisher as a quote. Bitcoin could care less about its vertical positioning on a chart, but as emotional monkeys with too much brain for our own good, we get attached to the movements of price, up and down, back and forth, oscillating like many naturally occurring phenomena, price is supposed to be at an equilibrium. As we have gotten used to utilizing equities, real estate, and other assets for storage of value, we have begun to necessitate that they must go up in price. Indeed, if we begin to use stocks to store value, therein lies an attachment to maintaining the price of a stock. Imagine that an investor owns a large amount of stock. <clears throat> that, that amount is acquired at a certain price, and now they have a vested interest in keeping the price of that security above the purchasing price, regardless of their belief in the company itself. Stocks haven't been allowed to legitimately discover price. Many factors make this true. In this article, I focus on the underlying psychological mechanisms which influence people to hang on to securities they know they don't believe in. This is a roundabout way of starting price discovery, or this is a roundabout way of stating price discovery is hampered. A true store of value is necessary for an economy. Without it, capital begins to be allocated in unnecessary pools, real estate, the stock market, failing businesses. These pools then have self-interested investors protecting their nominal value. Again, the price discovery of hard money unleashed will be scary. The reason investors protect the price of these assets is for wealth storage, but Bitcoin makes these forms of wealth storage dated and highlights their flaws. Although hedge fund managers and desk traders excitedly welcome volatility, many investors still liken it to the devil. Volatility in their eyes is the potential for loss. Widening one's vision of the market, however, can change the way one sees volatility by envisioning time on a scale beyond that of market cycles and economic quarters. We can see that a store of values price discovery is a long-term operation. Gold has always been worth gold, but the dollar-denominated value has changed dramatically. Anyone living in the past would be startled by the price of gold today. How inflated is your currency? <laughs> you can find out by looking at the price of Bitcoin denominated in that currency. It can be a difficult concept to wrap the mind around. Traditionally, we say that an object like a car is worth X dollar amount. Worth meaning that it, that the, oh, sorry, worth meaning this is the value we apply to this object. Value meaning the amount of resources, time, we are willing to give up for some other good or service. In economics, it is a measure of benefit, but with Bitcoin, X amount of dollars is a measure of the value of the currency denominator USD. It could be the Euro or the Yen. With hard monies, we flip our traditional understanding of value rather than the, the fiat currency representing the perceived value the hard money does. Again, it's tricky to wrap the mind around. Let's take Bitcoin at $35,000. Rather than assuming Bitcoin, the protocol has a value of $35,000, what we are witnessing is a valuation of $35,000 US dollars at one Bitcoin. When a stock is valued at a price of the stock is supposed to be a valuation of the company at large. Now, the number attached to the price can depend on the issuance of stock and things like stock splitting, but this is the general concept. 
With Bitcoin, we have to separate the valuation of other hard currencies via Bitcoin slash currency pairs and the valuation of the Bitcoin protocol itself. Some Bitcoin slash currency pairs are at all-time highs. Quite literally, in these places in the world, Bitcoin are worth more. But the total market capitalization in dollar terms is still quite expressible. We can simply do the transactions of the other fiats into USD and find the total wealth stored in Bitcoin. This here is the valuation of the Bitcoin protocol. <clears throat> Going back to the first few paragraphs, I described how investors tradi traditionally protect their nominal value of the wealth storage asset. This is in part because they have no true hard money to store value in, and as such, must create pools of physical wealth atypical to storing value over time. When we flip our understanding of Bitcoin valuation, however, we can see an end to this. Assets measured against Bitcoin are not, or rather, assets measured against Bitcoin are going to endure straight price discovery. There are no psychological games here because everyone trusts Bitcoin to store their value. They can now evaluate non-store value assets properly. Without an incentive to maintain the value of stocks, real estate, and other poor choices of storing wealth, the world can be reevaluated to proper prices. Traditionally, people value assets on the benefits they give, either cash flow, equity growth, or some other benefit found through economic analysis. But the value of things in Bitcoin is different. When we begin to value things in Bitcoin, we can find their legitimate value as Bitcoin is the most legitimately valued money. There are no manipulations of supply, buybacks, or quantitative easing or laws protecting value, only direct valuation. What we are unlocking here is a medium upon which humans can draw their ideas of benefit. Never before have we had an unhampered monetary paradigm with which we can interact without fear of human emotion, greed, or idealism in the way. Uh, this type of money cannot be understated in its importance. Valuation in money is the cornerstone upon which we build our ideas of the world and what has value in it. Money is a medium like speech. Much like speech allows us to express thought, money allows us to express our idea of value. There have been periods in history within which money has been allowed to flourish independent of influence. These periods are merely predecessors to the Bitcoin age. What we will experience is simply unpredictable. But the idea of Bitcoin itself, free money, sovereign money, has been unleashed upon the world and coincidentally, it came about alongside the internet, the interconnecting paradigm shift that has made instant communications across the world accessible to everyone. The unstoppable nature of Bitcoin, the protocol, may very well lend itself to Bitcoin, the currency's unstoppable ascending price, but only time will tell. It's a good piece. <clears throat> I, 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 tend, I tend to like it because the, one of the things that, that I've thought about for a long time when I'm looking at you know, any, any price chart, Bitcoin, stock, whatever, <clears throat> is that what I'm looking at, you know, the question that I ask myself when I'm looking at these things is, am I looking at something that's tangible, like a real knowledge, or am I looking at a hive mind of psychological soup that just happens to be flavored one way one day and another way on another day and go up, go up and down? Is it just the psychology, like if I see, like the whole GameStop thing? <clears throat> Was that really bullishness on GameStop? No. GameStop is a dying company. It's, it has screwed up so many times in so many potential acquisitions to enable it to be a pillar in the gaming industry, and it's missed every single one. Hell, it even tried to pivot to... Uh, cellular phone stores, believe it or not, instead of acquiring things that were game related, they acquired telecommunications. And then they had to bail out of that shit. Uh, our friend, Michael Bur Dr. Michael Burry of uh, the big short fame wrote a letter. I think it was in God. I think it was in the summer. Yeah, it was in the summer. And he was lambasting the board of GameStop for their, just ridiculous mismanagement of their own situation. And Michael Burry wrote this because the fund that the Skyon fund or Scion, however you pronounce it, that he manages uh, has a position in GameStop. So he had a vested interest in writing to the board, telling them that they're screwing up and just in what ways they have screwed up and the fact that he's really worried. And this was back in like July. 
and this actually may have been, honestly, this may have been last year, come to think of it. I should have had the letter up. But he just, I mean, he just lights lights a fire on these guys because they're just, they're not doing, they're not doing the right thing. And because of that, <clears throat> if I were to look at their true valuation, I can get all my games online. I can, uh, I, I rarely go into a GameStop. Um, they, if you've been into a GameStop lately, you've, you're seeing depleted shelves. It's rather sad. It's actually been that way for a few years. There's no reason in the world for that stock to do what it's doing without a psychological manipulation, or not a psychological manipulation, a real world example of a group of people coming together and physically buying outside of what their psychology should be telling them to do simply to prove a point. We don't know. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I think it's an interesting counterpoint to what's going on with this particular piece by Casey um, that for the first time, uh, we've got something that all of us can take part of that is a true, potentially a truth machine. Well, actually, it's not potentially a truth machine. It is. But we are in the age of Bitcoin enlightenment. This is by Herman Viver for Bitcoin Magazine. And uh, this one says, The promise of Bitcoin remains intact because its design circumvents the fragile human ego in ways that no other human endeavor ever has. The human ego is a fragile thing. It's quick to judge, insecure, easily manipulated, and gets attached to things through identification. It holds on to ideas and beliefs at all costs, often against our own interest and despite real-world observations to the contrary. No one faces a struggle more difficult than what their own ego creates, and the one thing that threatens our survival as much as anything else is the fragility of the human ego. Our best intentions are hijacked by it, paving the road to hell on earth. It isn't just genocidal government coercion that threatens our survival, but the fact that we fall for it, that and our ability to see past our differences and find commonality in response to it. Egos become so intertwined with belief, creating a sense of self-inflated importance that debates become pointless and serve little purpose other than reinforcing the same identification, superiority, and division. This has brought the world to a crossroads where we risk our own extermination through the perfect application of the old adage, divide and conquer. Only we're the ones dividing ourselves, <clears throat> leaving the human race vulnerable to be conquered by its own weakness. And no one can escape it. And we, those in the Bitcoin community, are no exception. Look no further than the botched attempt by Roger Ver to hijack Bitcoin, hiding behind the idea that Bitcoin can scale through an increase in block size alone. Or the ongoing saga involving the infamous character claiming to be Satoshi, a claim that was initially supported by Gavin Andreessen, one of the original Bitcoin developers, despite all evidence to the contrary. These people no longer pose a serious threat to Bitcoin, but at different times they may have. Despite the fact that Ver and Andreessen may have started out with the best of intentions, the threats they posed to Bitcoin were once very real, and there will be others. Just look at the great plague of shitcoinery, and yet Bitcoin survives and is flourishing despite countless human egos wildly swinging for the fences. <clears throat> Of course, no one looks at themselves this way. We're all inclined to believe that the characters are nothing like us. They've got problems. We don't. But let's be honest, we've all sabotaged something at some point in our lives by virtue of being self-centered. And regardless of how small an issue we think it may have been, it may have been a big deal for someone else without us ever knowing it. Even the most cruel dictator thinks he's acting in the interest of someone he loves while the protesting mob is kicking down the palace doors and particularly where human systems of governance are concerned. Inflated egos always and inevitably get the best of, better of our best intentions and that's the promise of Bitcoin. It remains intact where countless and all other well-intentioned human endeavors cannot because the design of Bitcoin circumvents the fragile ego in ways that nothing else ever has. There's a lot of debate surrounding decentralization, but perhaps the aspect of decentralization that matters most is easily observable within ourselves. And I can't think of a more powerful example than the creator, creators of Bitcoin deciding to remain anonymous and surrendering their world-changing invention. No one can escape the gravity of the human ego. And in a world characterized by self-indulgence, division, and discontent, 
through an almost miraculous act, Satoshi ensured that no ego could ever hijack Bitcoin's mission to change the world. Perhaps in years to come, people will recognize and appreciate that this act of selflessness constitutes the single most profound act of enlightenment throughout all of recorded human history, eclipsing the likes of Gandhi, Jesus, and Buddha. I don't know if I'd go that far, but Satoshi goes pretty far. Satoshi changed the world, but no one knows who they are. Uh, so again, we're getting, you know, it's talking about the psychology, of, you know, psychology, the ego, the human spirit, you know, basically it's us aping around. And the damage that we can do by said aping around and not even be aware of the destruction we leave in our wake when we do it. And this, again, this, this is part of, since, if you think about this, it's important to markets because the markets, generally speaking, are a, a common ground that people come together on to express value to each other. And since... <clears throat> half of all human interaction is a monetary transaction, then half of our experience with money is going to be led by our psychologies, our egos, our fears, our desires, our wants, and what a mess that shit makes. And then think about the whole GameStop thing. Again, we'll get to it, but not right now, because Ripple has been hit by yet another class action lawsuit on top of the SEC legal woes. I don't know why I'm reading this because you're going to, I think it's just because you're going to laugh when I, when I get to it, but Sharwa Malwa is going to, going to do the tickling here. Uh, a payments processor and XRP issuer Ripple was hit by a class action lawsuit in Florida on Monday, <clears throat> months after U.S. regulators stooped, uh, swooped down on the firm's business activities. It was filed by a person claiming to have made a relatively small $100 investment in Ripple last year, losing 50% of it in the weeks afterwards. Investor Tyler Toomey said he purchased 135 XRP in November last year as prices were shooting upwards. Uh, he then sold his holdings in December and took on a $48.50 loss on his initial capital. That loss, however, was enough to incite Toomey. He alleged in the class action lawsuit on behalf of himself and other similar investors that Ripple had unlawfully sold millions of dollars worth of its XRP token <clears throat> to other Florida residents, adding the firm's founders illegally profited off the sales. Quote, the defendants, Ripple, sold millions of dollars or more of XRP tokens, which are securities under Florida law, to Florida investors without registering the same either with federal or Florida authorities, read the lawsuit with the added claim that Ripple made over $1.36 billion from doing so. Toomey, on behalf of other XRPs, XRP investors in Florida, is now seeking justice after suffering from damages. The lawsuit seeks to uphold Ripple, co-founder Chris Larson, CEO Brad Garlinghouse, and several other unnamed members of the founding team liable for allegedly violating local and national investor acts, in addition to publicly misrepresenting the nature of their token and profiting from, quote, unjust enrichment. The allegations are similar to the ones filed by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission in 2020. The regulator alleged Ripple's two co-founders, Brad Garlinghouse and Chris Larson, to have made over $600 million while otherwise stating that they, or Ripple, did neither control nor profit from the XRP token. But despite the founders creating distance between Ripple and XRP, some company executives have previously acknowledged that there was a close connection months before the troubles with the SEC troubles started. Quote, the people who created XRP are pretty much the same as the people who created Ripple. And they created Ripple originally to, among other things, distribute XRP, said Ripple CTO David Schwartz in a tweet last year. He has not been directly named in either of the SEC or Toomley lawsuits. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Garlinghouse has so far maintained his innocence. He took to Twitter earlier this month that the SEC had wrongfully alleged his company and himself, adding at the time that a Ripple was preparing its own legal action. <laughs> So over 50 bucks, this guy launches a class action lawsuit. These are relatively expensive affairs, so I'm not sure if who's going to be footing the bill on that one, but it's going to be interesting to see if, if this one lasts. But I'll tell you one thing, the SEC lawsuit is definitely, definitely going to last. 
in other lawsuit action, we have a Dutch Bitcoin exchange dragging their central bank to court over the wallet KYC rule. This is Cointelegraph Osato Avan Nomoyo, sorry, Nomeo, writing sometime this morning. One Dutch Bitcoin exchange has taken legal action. Okay. The Dutch Bitcoin exchange in question, Bitronic, or sorry, Bitonic has filed a preliminary injunction at the Rotterdam court seeking the suspension of a wallet verification rule <clears throat> enacted by the central bank. Back in November of 2019, uh, the, the central bank of Deutschland, <laughs> the Dutch, or DNB, mandated crypto exchanges to ensure their users comply with stringent know-your-customer protocols. These rules included verification steps for withdrawal wallets, uh, which Bitonic called a nuisance. At the time, Bitonic was one of only three license grantees by the DNB out of the 38 applications to the central bank by crypto exchanges. Indeed, 25 out of the 38 applicants also sent a joint letter to the DNB asking for greater clarity about the need for such stringent compliant pr protocols. According to the company's announcement, the DNB has reportedly failed to address concerns raised by Bitonic over the controversial KYC rule. The exchange also revealed that an independent compliance firm recently provided expert advice on the matter, stating that the central bank's actions lacked any legal merit. For Bitonic, the introduction of sweeping wallet verification protocol violates existing customer privacy laws. Quote, we believe it is of crucial importance that a judge considers DNB's position so that it becomes clear whether the requirements are legitimate, the company added in its announcement. Commenting on the goal of the lawsuit, Bitonic announcement read, quote, our objective is to be able to quickly halt the comprehensive processing of personal data imposed on us. We want to return to the situation where we ourselves determine on a risk-based basis whether we ask the customer customer to prove his management of the wallet. Oh, that's a, honestly, that's a bad deal right there, man. I'll get to that in a second if I remember. A spokesperson for Batonic told Cointelegraph that the company regrets being forced to seek redress with the courts, but the action was necessary given the DNB's reticence to engage in dialogue over the issues. The Batonic representative also revealed that other exchanges have expressed support for the legal action. Quote, we do not know if similar proceedings are prepared by other parties, but trust that the court will recognize the broader relevance for not just the crypto industry, but also its customers, end quote. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, the additional KYC requirements are causing dissatisfaction among some crypto traders in the country. Bitstamp has come in for some criticism over the exchange's perceived lack of pushback against the DMB's policies. DNB did not immediately reply to Cointelegraph's request for comment. Now, getting back to this one, quote, our objective is to be able to quickly halt the comprehensive processing of personal data imposed upon us. We want to return to the situation where we ourselves determine on a risk-based basis whether we ask the customer to prove his management of the wallet. All right, right there, you screwed up. In my opinion, these guys screwed up. That's, this is not going to go well for them, and here's why I think so. In that statement, they admit that there is a need, in some cases, to do exactly what the central bank wants to do for everybody. That's a problem. Because once you admit that, the, the court is just going to tear them apart and say, well, in, in, in your statement that you've made to us, you clearly acknowledge the need for this to happen sometimes, Explain to us why not all the time. I think they just shot themselves in the foot on this. That's not good, but we got to run the numbers. CNBC Commodities and Futures. We have West Texas Intermediate up 0.42%. Uh, it's going to come in at $52.83 a barrel. Brent North Sea is going to come in at $56.18. That is a 0.48% rise. Natural gas swinging up again, 25 to $2.72 per one. That was it, what, uh, 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 1,000 cubic feet. And it looks like gold and all the metals are down yet again today. Gold damn near down half a point, $1,841. Silver is down 0.85. Platinum is down 1.68. Uh, 
Copper's down a half and palladium is down three, uh, two, oh, sorry, one third. And in indices, we have mixed. Dow futures are down a half. S&P futures are down 0.45. NASDAQ futures are up 0.2. Uh, yet the S&P mini is down 1% to the downside. Wow, real money. We got sh swinging all over the place. $30,606.91 is the price on Bitcoin right now. Uh, that is not our high. Our high is going to be over at BitAsset at $30,799. It does appear that the 606 number is our low. 31,000, sorry, 31. 321,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us about 13,300 transactions on average per hour with only half a million BTC changing hands in that period. We have 21,869 BTC being sent every hour on the hour on average, and the average transaction value is 1.63 BTC, and the median transaction value 0.021 BTC. Getting back down there, $646 is what that value is. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 35 seconds. 0.56 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis, and 77.5 BTC taken in fees over the last 24 hours, yet we have a rise in hash rate of 4.17% in the past 24 hours, bringing us all the way up to 157.3 exahashes per second. What's Doge doing? Doge does what it always does. It's following all the rest of the shit coins, 0 0.0078, which makes it about worth three quarters of a penny. Uh, but it's still walking all over Ethereum Classic, but nobody else. Clark has 25,000 transactions waiting to board 66 blocks to clear that all up. We have captured 4.7% or 4.75% of gold's market cap. We are worth $570.2 billion, and that is over 18,611,756.65 BTC. And Clark reflects a price of 30635 We have 1,056.5 BTC in the Lightning Network. That is worth $32.4 million worth of capacity. We have that over 8,519 nodes, representing 37,300 channels. Uh, percentage of Tor capacity remains constant, 52.4% of the Lightning Network is run over Tor, and that's over 3,198 nodes representing 553.29 BTC in capacity. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to round two of the morning roundup. We're gonna start with the whole GameStop thing that I've been alluding to uh, this morning. This one is from Jeff Benson, Decrypt.co, uh, writing sometime yesterday, Bitcoin, GameStop, and the price of taking on Wall Street. And there's always a price to pay, I suppose. The future was supposed to belong to Bitcoin, not video game store stocks. Honestly, I don't know where he got that. That's not my fault. Don't kill me. This has nothing to do with Bitcoin. But starting that, starting that off like that, no, just that's just wrong, dude. At the end of 2020... <clears throat> a single share in GameStop, the mall-based video game retailer, was selling for $18.84. It closed today at 147.9 and has risen more than 50% since the close of today's trading. GME stock now costs more than $220. In addition to the eye-popping statistics, GameStop, GameStop stock has been championed not by traditional traders, but by a ragtag group of Redditors known as R Wall Street Bets. And now its efforts threaten to decimate the hedge funds that shorted GME, which is the ticker symbol for GameStop. <clears throat> to which many people in Bitcoin say, oh, what took you so long? <laughs> Quote, the price action we're seeing on uh, Wall Street Beats regarding GameStop is largely driven by the resentment the vast majority of Americans hold towards Wall Street and the banking system as a whole. William Legate, the CEO of Decentralized Prediction Market, PredIQ, oh God, PredIQT, oh, I hate it when they do that, PredIQT, who's been a Bitcoin holder since 2013, told Decrypt, 
quote, the rich get richer, and whenever anything fails, the Fed just prints more money and distributes it to Wall Street, not Main Street, he said, referencing quantitative easing during the 2008 and 2020 financial crisis that injected money into the banking system. Quote, many Americans, particularly the newer generations, have lost trust in our banking and financial systems, which are widely perceived to be rigged against working class Americans. To legate, Bitcoin, with a supply cap and store of value utility that rivals gold, is the next paradigm. Legate's comments largely track with available data in the U.S. A May 2020 survey by Data for Progress found that by, that by a 74% to 26% margin, surveyed voters thought, quote, the economic system favors the wealthy and powerful. Such sentiments stoke Bitcoin's raison d'etre. Well, however you pronounce that shit. So sure, BTC was a technolo- technological achievement meant to solve double spending on peer-to-peer digital cash networks, but it was also a broadside at Wall Street. Embedded in the first block of the Bitcoin blockchain was the time-stamped headline, The Times, uh, January 3rd, 2009, Chancellor on Brink of Second Bailout for Banks. The irony may be that uh, Wall Street bets success precipitates a new bailout for traditional investors who threaten to be liquidated by upstarts who quite cheerfully want to see loss porn. <laughs> <coughs> Michael Burry, a large GameStop investor made famous by the movie The Big Short, posted on Twitter, quote, If I put GME on your radar and you did well, I'm genuinely happy for you. However, what is going on now? There should be legal and regulatory repercussions. This is unnatural, insane, and dangerous. And he adds SEC underscore enforcement. <laughs> Damn, dude. The response to this and similar takes were predictable. Is pumping up an asset's price only legal when Wall Street traders do it? I don't know. That's a good question. Legate echoed that sentiment stating, quote, my guess is the bankers won't like that the wrong people are manipulating the markets and will lobby the SEC to take action against retail investors, end quote. When that happens, the Redditors should give Bitcoin a look. Quote, they see an opportunity to take advantage of the system in the same way banks and hedge funds have done for decades. It's as much about the profit for them as it is about giving Wall Street the finger. The best way to do that long term is through Bitcoin, he said. So, yeah, um, I, I'm i kind of surprised that, that Burry uh, added the SEC enforcement. Cause how, are you going, how are you going to enforce on Wall Street bets? <clears throat> I mean, did you know that, you know how many people are signed up to that subreddit? It's 2.4 million people. And, 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 and the, 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 the tagline for that group says, like 4chan, what was it? 4chan found the markets or something like that. And I mean, it's, it's, it, is a, it is an absolute middle finger to the entire legacy system, not just Wall Street, everything. These guys, uh, let's see if we can get some more, some more information about what these guys are doing from, from the Mooch man. Anthony Scaramucci says GameStop surge is good for Bitcoin. Uh, this is Scott Cipollina writing for Decrypt.co when, sometime this morning. GameStop stock rose dramatically yesterday after being championed by a group of Redditors, fueled in part by a growing resentment towards Wall Street. After closing 2020 at about 18 bucks, we're at the price that I quoted you earlier that, you know, earlier a couple of seconds ago. But according to Skybridge Capital CEO Anthony Scaramucci, this kind of thing bodes well for Bitcoin. Quote, the activity in GameStop is more proof of concept that Bitcoin is going to work. How are you going to beat that decentralized crowd? That to me is more affirmation about decentralized finance. End quote. Bitcoin's price recently broke an all-time high of nearly 42 grand earlier this month, but has since fallen by five figures to approximately 31,000. Yet, That price drop has not dissuaded most senior minds behind SkyBridge Capital. SkyBridge Capital entered the Bitcoin industry when it launched the SkyBridge Bitcoin Fund earlier in the month. My conversation with Decrypt, or sorry, in conversation with Decrypt, CEO Brett Messing said the fund grew to approximately $370 million in just its first few weeks. We're very passionate about it. We feel like it's going to, we're doing people a favor by introducing them to Bitcoin, and in success, we make money, Messing said. Messing is also extremely bullish on Bitcoin's futures. Uh, <clears throat> future. He told Decrypt he believes institutional investments into the cryptocurrency could push its price up to $500,000. He added it's the age of the micro-investor, 
and you better take it seriously, otherwise you're going to get taken to the cleaners. Tell that to the liquidated GameStop short sellers. Okay, so wasn't as much more information about the GameStop situation as I wanted, but <clears throat> ultimately, here's what I think is going on. You had GameStop, who was who's a shitty company. I'm sorry, GameStop is a shitty company. If you're buying that stock at 220 bucks right now, I I I wouldn't, or I'd at least heavily reconsider doing shit like that because it's a bad company. They've made terrible decisions, like I said earlier, right? So you got a company whose business model is being, has been eroded and continues to erode at an ever-increasing pace. You had them outlaying a lot of their revenue on failed projects that had absolutely nothing to do with video games, which is their business model. <clears throat> They're getting, I mean, they just got, they've, you go into their store, like I said, decreasing stock, and it's just a sad place to be. It's like the whole air of the place is like, I don't even want to be inside here. And this has been going on. I've heard stuff about that on the street about GameStop for the last seven years, right? There's no way GameStop can survive on its present business model. It's absolutely impossible. It's just like Netflix and Amazon and all the rest of them coming after uh, Hollywood video and, uh, well, I can't remember the other one anymore. The, the you know, where you used to go and rent, uh, rent movies, right? Which I enjoyed. I liked looking at all the movies on the shelves. Me and my wife would spend like an hour. We'd be chit-chatting with the people up there saying, you know, hey, if I like this movie, what else would I like? And they would know. And now it sucks, honestly. I miss the video rental stores. I'm just saying. That's probably because I'm like, you know, older than most people in this crowd, but still, I just, I just miss it, but I don't miss going into GameStop. Every single time I've ever been in one, I'm like, get me the hell out of here. There's no way that company survives. And yet we have this group of people that have come together over a real-time communications channel. And they decided when they found out that a whole bunch of people in Wall Street were shorting GameStop because they just knew they were going to make million dollars on the inevitable fall below whatever X price they set their shorts at. <clears throat> they knew that they were going to get rich. And these guys said, no, no more. I don't believe this stops at GameStop. I think we're looking at a brand new creature on the horizon that is se seemingly right now has its sights set on the financial uh, legacy financial systems. And if that's true, and you've got 2.4 million people, I don't believe that, <clears throat> I don't believe that there's 2.4 million traders on Wall Street. I mean, just in, like, let's just take the United States. Do, do you think that there's 2.4 million people that are traders in the United States? That, it, that may actually be the case, but man, even if it is the case, You've got 2.4 million people that are all coordinated together on one communication channel uh, working against their cohort on the other end, which are not on a, a, a single communication channel. With this kind of crowdsourcing of energy, you're talking about a real threat to the equities market, at least at the start, okay? then what if they start going after other instruments, right? I don't, they're not going to stop at GameStop. <clears throat> this demonstrated the very first successful salvo of a communications channel being used as leverage against the equities market. I'm telling you, it is not going to stop at GameStop. I don't know what's going to happen to GameStop at this point. Um, they can't, I mean, at this point, they don't have the revenue to start buying back their stock. Um, they could, I, honestly, they can, if they're smart, if management's smart, they can leverage this move, but they got to move quick before this runs out to, I don't know, leverage stock against the purchase of other game asset, you know, other game type assets. And if they do it, they may survive. If they don't do it, this whole thing is going to die really quickly and you're going to see a plummet in GameStop stock because the underlying fundamentals of that company are bad, okay? That doesn't mean that I'm not kind of cheering on the guys over at Wall Street Bets. I kind of am, and I will do so probably until they, if they come after Bitcoin, then I will hate them 
passionately. Silver Lake co-founder defends Bitcoin's reputation at Davos. So we've got like at least, you know, one guy over there at Davos who's not screwing us over. Andrew Asmakov is writing this one for Decrypt.co uh, yesterday, in fact. Uh, Glenn Hudgens, co-founder of global technology investment firm Silver Lake, has brushed off the conventional assumption of Bitcoin being primarily used for criminal activity, such as money laundering, fraud, and tax evasion. According to FinExtra, speaking at Davos 2021, which this year is taking place in virtual format, he reportedly stressed that those saying that cryptocurrency is the preferred tool for criminals usually ignore the immutability of blockchain, its underlying technology. Quote, in the United States, 80 to 90% of $100 bills are used for organized crime and tax evasion, and there's a very good reason for that. They're untraceable and fungible, said Hudgens. Bitcoin, however, leaves a permanent, unalterable record, hence why almost all criminals using it are caught. It is fundamentally wrong to say that Bitcoin is mostly used for crime. Silver Lake is a global technology investment firm with approximately $75 billion in combined assets under management. Jesus. One of the high-profile figures to make statements about Bitcoin's use for illegal activities is Janet Yellen, the newly appointed chair of the United States Treasury. However, a recent study by blockchain analytics firm Chainalysis contradicts such statements. According to the firm's 2021 crypto crime report, the criminal share of all cryptocurrency activity fell to just 0.34% or $10 billion in transaction volume at the same time. The report suggested that crypto payments associated with ransomware were on the rise last year, while the vast majority of the overall illicit crypto transactions were related to dark net markets and the general category of scams, but for now, still a drop in the bucket. So, you know, we got one guy at Davos who's not a complete moron, so that's good news. And here's some other good news, although it could be Slightly better, Bitmain co-founder officially exits, resolving years-long power struggles as mining firm preps an IPO. Uh, Coindesk is writing this, uh, David Pan, in fact, is writing it for Coindesk, and that came out sometime yesterday. The power struggle within Bitmain's leadership has finally come to an end as co-founder McCree Zahn regains control over the largest Bitcoin miner maker giant. Quote, I have resigned from the CEO and chairman positions at Bitmain as of today, Bitmain co-founder Jihan Wu said in a statement on Tuesday. The disagreement between McCree and myself, the two co-founders of Bitmain, have been finally settled in an amicable and more importantly, a constructive manner. As part of the leadership transaction, transition, Bitmain subsidiaries are filing legal documents to change their board members and legal representatives. Zahn had purchased almost half of the company's shares for $600 million from BitSource, which is a code name representing a group of founding shareholders, including Jihan. He completed the purchase with a $400 million loan from Bitmain and $200 million through a fundraising effort outside the group, according to the statement. After the settlement, Jihan will head Bitmain's spinoff, was that BitDeer? which has mining farm operations in the U.S. and Norway. He will act as the firm's chairman, while Matt Kong will be the CEO of the new company. Antpool will soon be spun off into an independent company and led by McCree. Quote, through the above-mentioned arrangement, Bitmain's business model will be highly streamlined, which will make it much easier to go for an initial public offering, Jihan said in a statement. Bitmain has unsuccessfully tried to go public before. Bitmain's new board will have five members, with three appointed by Zahn and two appointed by Jihan. The company's chief financial officer, Zhishan Liu and Zhishang Zhu, have designed some of the company's minor machines, and they have been appointed to the board by Jihan. Quote, upon the closing of settlement today, Bitmain has turned over a new page. With great opportunities ahead, Jihan said in a statement, As the co-founder of Bitmain, I enjoyed the 2,815 days of journey working for it with numerous help and support from lots of customers, colleagues, friends, and investors. And I give my most sincere blessing to Bitmain and its leadership by McCree. Wow. I honestly, I'm surprised at the language coming out of uh, Jihan 
because this fight has been going on for two years and has been as bitter as they come. I'm actually quite surprised. I'm also surprised that we are now seeing nonprofits come into the Bitcoin space. They're gonna, there's going to be lots of word crypto in this, this piece, but bear with me. American Cancer Society starts crypto-only donation fund. Andrew Hayward is writing this for Decrypt.co uh, sometime yesterday. The cryptocurrency, sorry, the as cryptocurrency has gained popularity in mainstream recognition, we've seen more and more nonprofit organizations begin to accept crypto donations. Today, one of America's most prominent nonprofits, the American Cancer Society, has amplified its crypto push with the launch of its Cancer Crypto Fund, created in partnership with the Giving Block which helps organizations tap into crypto philanthropy, the Cancer Crypto Fund aims to raise at least $1 million in cryptocurrency donations very quickly by early 2021, according to the press release. This is the organization's first crypto-only fund, although the American Cancer Society previously accepted Bitcoin via BitPay. Uh, We want as many people to join us in our mission as possible, said Jeff Klaus, interim chief digital officer of the American Cancer Society in a release. Quote, to do that, we need to ensure people can give to the fight against cancer when, where, and how they choose. We appreciate the Giving Block's work to help make this all possible. End quote. The crypto can- or cancer crypto fund accepts several different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, Chainlink, and Zcash, Gemini Dollar, and the God only knows, the basic attention token. Additionally, the fund is providing incentive for big dollar donors. The first to donate at least $250,000 can name the fund after themselves or a loved one. Additionally, any donors who send at least $10,000 can have their name listed on a crypto cancer fund wall of honor. All donations to the Cancer Crypto Fund will go directly into the organization's cancer research, which seeks to discover new breakthroughs and treatment options. According to the ACS website, the organization has poured more than $4.9 billion into cancer research since 1946. Quote, I believe cryptocurrency will play a pivotal role in curing cancer, said the Giving Block co-founder Pat Duffy. In a release, quote, with Bitcoin hitting a new all-time high, the creation of this new fund opens the doors for the booming crypto market to save lives, end quote. According to the Giving Block, which was founded in 2018, cryptocurrency donation total donations total an estimated $300 million every year. More than 120 organizations accept crypto donations via the Giving Block as listed on its website, including the Tor Project, the National Society of Black Engineers, and United Way Worldwide. So again, nonprofits have been coming in, but with the entrance of the American Cancer Society and as somebody who worked in uh, biomedical research a long time ago, I can tell you that's nothing to sneeze at. The ACS is a huge deal. All right. It's not like, I mean, the United Way is big, you know, but smaller charities like, you know, uh, Society for Black Engineering, um, other things like that. They've been in the space for a while, but they're really, really small. This is not the case with the American Cancer Society. This thing is a huge behemoth. I mean, this thing is a sprawling function of the American biomedical community. Like, you know, it's been around since 1946. You're talking like well over $5 billion invested. It's just, I mean, it's like the one of the most respected biomedical nonprofits in the community of re, you know, scientific researchers. If you, get, if you get an ACS grant, you're hot shit, bro. Let's just say that. If you get a grant from, from a no-name, nobody cares. But you get granted by ACS, you're, you end up getting awards at whatever you know, university you happen to be. That's just the way this shit works. It's, it, yeah, I know it's, it's sad that popularity, you know, permeates everywhere, but you know, for don't think that the biomedical research is out of that. I saw some fairly ugly chicanery when it came to why people research the things that they researched, not because they wanted to, but because it was hot and there was funding for it. And you just can't get away from hot funding so you'll end up doing shit that you wouldn't normally do but that's going to do it for the morning roundup
Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. Son, what does bargain mean? Dad, well, it means a great deal, actually. <laughs> actually, Dad's been pulling some pretty pretty bad ones out of his ass. I mean, even for dad jokes, that one's terrible. I mean, the, the other one is like, you know, my doctor told me I'm going deaf. The news was hard for me to hear. I mean, come on, man. You got to come up with some some better ones than that. I mean, there, I got to get some cringe going on, and this isn't even cringe. It's total fail on Dad's part. So, anyway, uh, yeah, we got to get more cringe on that. So, as far as as you know, what's going on with the Bitcoin price? You know, I'm I'm, I'm actually now starting to get you know some people are starting to ask me about what I think about the price, and me talking about the price is 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 not good. I am not a TA guy. I I do not do tra- uh uh was it technical analysis. I I'm not I am not a chartalist, okay? And it, I mean I look at charts, I kind of understand them. I'd like to understand more. That's where you come in. <clears throat> but right now, I don't make price predictions. I mean if if I'm held my if you know my feet are held to the fire and I say a number, it's just the first thing that pops out of my ass and it's only gut feeling. But I have, I got something to say about the price action right now. <clears throat> I think we're going to go sideways and down to the right a little bit for a while longer because we've got a lot of weird stuff that the world's population is digesting. One, we went up to $42,000. We basically doubled the previous all-time high of Bitcoin within a matter of days. You're not going to do that without a blow off top. I'm sorry. You just, it's just not going to happen. Second, after the blow-off top, what do we have? We got a transition of power in, the, at this point, the most powerful nation on the planet between Orange Man and Creepy Man. And everything is weird with the pandemic, and nothing was more weird than having anything to do with that inauguration and that transition of power because everything about it was just not right. I mean, everything about it was not right. The whole thing is not right. So you got that. Then... Now you've got a whole bunch of FUD coming out of Davos. You've got Janet Yellen being installed as Treasury Secretary. She doesn't like it. Mnuchin's got this legacy bullshit of this this KYC to uh, my own private keys kind of thing going on, which, by the way, has been postponed for yet another 45 days. Uh, Somehow or another, that particular story didn't get into the stack. But, I mean, with that going on, and now we've got this GameStop issue. Um, I would not dismiss this. Like I said, this is the first successful, as I, as I can tell, this is the first very successful crowdsourced salvo aimed at the equity markets using a singular real-time communications channel as leverage. Uh, and they're not going to stop. And I think it's possible that there may, be, there may be some people in Bitcoin and the rest of the cryptocurrency markets that may be looking at that going, shit, what if they do that to us? then you will find out who survives and then you will find out who doesn't. You will find out as the waves leave the shore who was, who was swimming naked and who was not. Bitcoin will not give a shit whatever these guys do because we're going to hold, I mean, Bitcoin was designed to pump forever, says Matt O'Dell. I say Bitcoin was designed to hold forever. And that's what's going to end up happening. These, there will be like, if, if they do, if the whole uh, Wall Street bets people decide that they want to screw around with cryptocurrencies, then we're going to see a price hit. It's just going to happen because it's just there's money to be made. But honestly, my gut feeling, I don't think they're going to come after cryptocurrency. Hell, it states right on their on their page, their Reddit page, that they don't want to even talk about, they don't want to pump and dump shit on cryptocurrency. But it looks to me like they are going after the traditional equity markets uh, first. And I'll bet you my ass, GameStop ain't the first one. It won't, is, it's, or GameStop is the first one, but it won't be the last one. But it's also not going to be the last, equities is not going to be the last asset class that they go after. You've got almost 2.5 million people that are coordinating their activities on a singular real-time communication channel and most of them seem to know what they're doing or have some experience. Hell, they may even be active traders on Wall Street and they're making, they're literally betting against what they should, they're betting for what they should be betting against, but they're making money on the backside because they're coordinating on the front side. And if 
if anybody gets caught doing that, we're talking hardcore prison time. However, right now, it's one of the most fun things that I've ever seen happen. And honestly, I can't wait to see more. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.